good friend of mine. And this good friend, he got married. He was the first one of us in our friend group to get married. And their first child was a daughter. Having a daughter will soften a man up. And it softened up for something fierce. He was already soft to begin with, so what made him really soft? I say it in a good way. I say it in a good way. Well, this friend of mine is artistically very gifted. So as his daughter grew and she was like five, six years old, she loved watching Disney princess movies, you know. And he decided she went away to grandma's for a week and he decided he's going to do an incredible thing for her. He went into her room while she was gone and painted an entire mural on a wall. And it was like a princess-themed mural, like a castle, a hill, like trees. I mean, it was blue sky. It was beautiful. I could have never, you give me all the time in the world, I could have done that. He had three days and got it done. Gave up time, strength, money, energy, creativity, mapped it out. Beautiful. Let me picture this thing. It looked awesome. She comes home from grandma's. And of course, he's pumped, right, to see her reaction. How is she going to react to this gift I gave to her? So he follows upstairs, I have something to show you. Close your eyes, they lead her up to her room. They cover the doorway, go ahead, open your eyes. He opens it, and there it is. This great gift that he gave to his beloved. She looks at it, and she just goes, I want it on that wall. I hear some of the us. Can you imagine putting that effort, that strength, that time, and the gift you give is just like a, well, I like this better. Today, we're to feel that feeling in the Bible. That feeling of great love given and not received with gladness. We're in the book of Malachi, and this is the end of our walk through the Old Testament. Some of you may have tried and failed. Old Testament's a tough thing to read. People start off strong in Genesis, Exodus. By the time you get to Leviticus, many people fall off the boat then. But for a year as a church, we've been reading the entire Old Testament. I read the whole thing again this year. It was a wonderful experience. We've had this um, Dwell app on our website. If you don't have it, you should get it for free. We provide that for everybody free of charge here in our church. It's an audio app. You listen to the Bible in your headphones or in your car. It's phenomenal. This is our last. This week we listened to or read the final three books of the Old Testament. We read Haggai, Zephaniah, and Malachi. Malachi is the final book in the, the Jewish Bible. Malachi is a prophet sent by God to his people, Israel, and when he gets done preaching, when Malachi is done preaching God's message, there will not be another prophet for like 400 years. There's going to be radio silence. There's going to be a season in Israel's history where the, the voice of God is not heard. So what is the last thing the nation hears from God? Begin Malachi 1.1. The oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord. Let's stop there. 
His opening volley. Israel, I have loved you. Israel has loved his people. God, God loves his people. God loves his people. Let's give us some context to this moment. God Almighty sets apart a people for himself. Calls Abraham, a man who is beyond age. Says, Abraham, you're, you're old, you have no children. When you die, your name is off the earth. From you, I will raise up a people. And God keeps his word. And Abraham, then Isaac, then Jacob, then 12 sons, then a nation. Well, then a tribe, then a nation. Then this kingdom under David, under Solomon. Civil war happens. You have two nations where there once was one, Israel and Judah. Israel falls to Assyria. And then Judah falls to the Babylonians. And yet this period in the Bible of the exile where you have God's people learning how to remain close to God in a foreign land. Even in, the, even in exile, God is speaking to his people. And there's this hope that someday God will restore us to our promised land, to our home. Even though we lost everything, God has not forgotten us. Even though our temple is burned and our, the walls of our city were taken down brick by brick, God says, I'm going to restore you because I love you. And guess what? Against all odds, the impossible happens. When I first came back to the city of Flint, Michigan, well, my wife and I were arguing about where we were going to spend our life serving him. And my wife said, what about Flint? And I said, baby, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like I was raised in the city. It broke a lot of people that I love. We, this is not a, I mean, I'll show you. what. It, so we'd come to Flint and I'd show her the schools I went to. They're all boarded up. Take her to one of the houses I grew up in and the house is gone. I went to this house on the east side, right on Wyoming, across Dort. So like the bad part of the east side, like across the Steakin DMZ. I was over there. And uh, Steakin, this, I used to live in this house and literally it must have, must have burned, then got torn down, the basement filled in, then they put dirt over it, and now it's an empty field. I'm like, I used to live there and you can't tell my house ever stood in that spot. That was Israel. Their nation got, like Nebuchadnezzar, the king, not only did he beat them and, and take them into slavery, he's like, burn this city to the ground. I want everyone to know, if you mess with me, I crush you. And they tore it down. And God said, don't worry. What is torn to the ground, I will rebuild. That seems impossible. But God moves in a pagan king's heart, and God opens the doors. The Jews come back home, and sure enough, the temple is rebuilt, and the walls stand around, around Jerusalem. The capital is strong. People are coming back. The nation is regaining security, financial stability. The miracle has happened. They're about a generation of being back in the promised land. God has loved his people. He's brought them all home. God loves his people. Keeps his covenant. He provides for those he loves. But the response of the people is very odd. Verse 2 says, I have loved you, says the Lord, but you say, how have you loved us? And as you read Malachi, 
you will see as God's trying to speak to the people, they keep interrupting him. He'll say, I love you. He'll go, how have you loved us? It's like every time he speaks, they challenge his words. I went, I was at home studying this week, and I wrote down every single time it happened. And there's some big ones. He's like, you've defiled my name. How have we defiled your name? Like they, they push. Like, a, like, a, like an adolescent child. Like, I'm going to 10 o'clock with crap curfew. They're pushing back on God. God has said, I love you. And this book, you see these people who have been blessed in a way that's hard to imagine. And you know what their emotional stance towards God is? It's not thankfulness. It's not gratitude. Listen, the people are sick of the Lord. They're sick and tired of God. They even say, it is wearisome to follow you. It is exhausting to obey you. I know you loved me. You took me from the miry pit and put me on the rock. But now i got to love you back? You know what? There, I want to go to this one part in chapter 3. Listen to the hearts of the people. God says to them, your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, how have we spoken against you? What I say about you? These guys, they're just, I want to smack you in the mouth, but you can't. They're just, they're taught, they talk about the God the whole book. Listen to what they say. You have said, it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. God says, you guys talk so bad about me. What do we say about you, God? What do we say bad about you? First of all, you say it is worthless to serve God. You complain about serving me. You say it's worth, it's, there's no value in loving me or obeying me. You say, what do we get for doing what he wants? What is the profit for living our life according to his rules? Again, I know he was good to me. I know he loved me. but I'm tired and I'm bored of doing what he wants me to do. That's what he says next. He's like, we call the arrogant blessed. Those who mock God, they have the good life. That's what they say. They say, but the evildoers in our nation, not only do they prosper, they make money. Because you know what? Here's a, here's, a real, here's a weird thing. If you lie, cheat, and steal, can you make money? If you lie, cheat, and steal, can you cheat the system sometimes? Yeah! They're... If, you, if you're not afraid of mistreating people, of hurting people, you can make some cheese money in this world, can't you? And they say, those guys, they're evil, look how good it is for them. Not only do they have more than us, I'm being good, they're being awful, and they have a better life than me. And he says, they also put God to the test and they escape. They mock God, and God doesn't smoke them. 
So why not just mock him? If I can mock him and not get smoked, why not do it? That's their attitude. Their attitude is very much, we're sick and tired of you telling us what to do. We're sick and tired of you sending prophets to us all the time and telling us to repent. We don't want to repent anymore. They're one generation from slavery. And that quick, they're like, who cares? This feeling of being sick and tired of God, it's found here in the people of Israel. But I've heard it on the streets. I've heard it from friends. People say things like, I've given so much of my life to raising these kids. It's my turn now. These years were for others. This season is for me. This, there's a story in the Bible of the prodigal son. A story we've all heard of a guy who takes his father's money, goes to a foreign land, blows his father's money, ends up like in a ditch, in the mud. He comes home and the father loves his wayward son. The story is often told that, so many people, the story is preached, if you, if you go astray, blow your life up, you can always come back to God because God loves his wayward children. And that's, the sermon is there. It does say that. The younger brother does blow his life up, and the father does forgive the son for his, idioc- for his idiocracy, his idiocy. But there's two brothers in the story. There's the younger brother, and there's an the older brother. And the older brother doesn't go out and blow the father's money. The older brother lives on the farm, works on the farm, and he's a generally good kid. And when the younger, when the older, when the younger brother comes home, when the, the brother comes home and the dad is like, you're alive, I love you, I'm restoring you to the family. When there's a party at the house celebrating a lost sheep who has come home. The older brother's out in the field standing there with his arm crossed like, what is happening at dad's house? And he's furious. And the dad comes out like, son, why don't you come in and party with us? Why don't you come in and celebrate that God has brought your brother home? And that older brother says, all these years I have served you. And you never gave me and my friends a party. And you, you, it reveals that in this older brother's heart, The older brother, the good kid, he wanted the same things the younger younger brother wanted. He wanted the money. He wanted the stuff. He wanted the party. He just played the long game to get it. I will be polite. I'll follow the cultural norms. And I will get God to give me the good stuff. The other kid was what? He was uh, impolite. He was rude. He's like, gimme, gimme, gimme. The older brother was doing all the right things for all the wrong reasons. This letter and this truth of 
those who are sick and tired of following God. This is to us. Because there are people. Many of us are like that older brother. And we're doing all these good things for God. And we just get tired of doing them. Many of us have done the right thing for the wrong reasons for a long time. I remember there was a lady. Uh, she was a church lady, grew up in the church. She got married, had the dream wedding, you know. Had a nice food, dance, the big white dress. She got the She had a kid. She lived the dream. Everything she wanted as a little girl came true to her little girl heart. And her husband had some rare disease, and the husband died. Left her alone with two children and a widow before she was 30. And she said the words, I did everything God wanted, and he didn't give me what he promised. I realized in those words, she thought her and God had a deal. I'll be a good kid and do what you want, and you'll give me the things that I want. It's a trade. I will be good, and I won't cuss, and I'll go to church, and you give me a family, you give me the things that I want. And to her, it was a transaction. And if you see God, if to you God is merely a vending machine, you're going to get tired of putting quarters in that machine. If God to us is merely a means to an end, we are going to get burned out on that because guess what? When, and listen, some of this is preachers' faults because preachers around America have lied to the people. Because preachers learned in America, if you promise people money, they'll fill the deacon seats. This book, Malachi, I listened to four sermons on this book this week. And half the sermon I listened to were preachers telling people, give more money in the tithing bucket. I'm like, I think you missed the point of the book, bro. <laughs> I mean, just, he just like, I need a new Lincoln. Put some money in that thinking thing. I'm being facetious, I am. But if a preacher says to someone, if you give, God will give you more. They'll think to themselves, I've got to pull this lever and I'll get something. You pull the lever, what if nothing happens? And over time, you're waiting. We're going to need to pull two levers or a lever and a button. And you're doing all these things to make God happy. And what if life is hard? What if I push all the, what if I pull all the levers, push all the buttons, and still I get sick? Or I never meet someone? Or I can't have children? Where are you at, God? I thought I would give you this and you give me that. Where's the stuff you promised me? The thing is, he didn't promise us any of those things. If like the older brother, we're working for the father because we want the stuff, eventually we get tired of working. We're going to grow weary of obeying that distant, unloving Far away stranger. And the people here, they see God, and they're like, God, serving you is a waste of my time. I get nothing for it. This happens to Christians. Hey, Donald, could you turn the heat? It's, it's hot, yes? Yeah, 
I'm, I'm, I'm up here and I'm like wearing a short sleeve and it's, ooh. The fall in Michigan, it's when you don't know if it's heat or cold. It's like AC today, heat tomorrow. It's awful here, but we'll figure it out. So, it is very easy to grow weary of obedience. To get tired. And this moment, this is the last time we see people before the Christ comes. In this moment, they're like, we don't like you. And eventually, when God comes in the flesh, the people are going to kill him. Like here they're saying, we don't like you. When he shows up for real in the flesh, they're like, man, we don't like you, and we want you out, and we'll kill you to shut you up. And the reason it happens is because for most of us, we think God is on our team. I see Facebook posts, I see uh, social media posts a lot. People say, if Jesus were alive today, he'd do X, Y, and Z. And what's funny about those posts is everyone who posts those things is saying, if Jesus were alive today, he would care about what I care about. Jesus is always on their team. Like, and there's some wild, people say wild things about Jesus. If Jesus were alive today, he would have helped me storm the Capitol. If Jesus were alive today, he'd be at the abortion rights rally. People say crazy things about Jesus, okay? And here's a fact. If he showed up right here and right now, <laughs> no one would like him. Because he'd burn all our idols down. We'd be like, you on my team? He's like, no. Are you on my team? And that's the question. When Christ shows up, he isn't what any of them expect, and they hate him for it. He doesn't fit in our boxes. He's not Baptist. He's not Pentecostal. He's not Lutheran. He ain't white. He ain't black. Jesus is like super cultural. He's, he's God in the flesh. So what do we do? Because the fact of the matter is, even though we see Israel get sick and tired of God, those of us who even love Jesus, we feel these same feelings, don't we? Sometimes I'm like, I'm tired of walking with you, Lord. Sometimes outside looks easier. And in some ways it is. You ever go tubing? In Michigan we love to tube, right? Go up to that river. What's the river, the tubing river up north? That one. <laughs> Just random noise. I don't know what you guys said. Um, yeah, exactly. But going tubing is fun, okay? I like going tubing. Um, when you tube, what do you do? You put a tube in the water. You sit in the tube, and the river just carries you down. Some people go all out. They have, like, floating coolers. It's wild. Um, I think floating grills, you see that? That's wild, dude. Grilling on the way down the river. Um, now, imagine, that's very easy, just going down the river. Now, imagine if you realize, oh, my goodness, I left my wall on the beach. you got to swim that, up that river. The moment you try to push against that current, you realize, man, Doing, going the right direction is really hard. Going with the flow is easy. Pushing against the culture of the world, all of a sudden you feel the strength and the effort the world is pushing in. It's hard to follow the Lord sometimes. It really is. 
What do we do when we feel the feelings? In my life, I've only felt the feeling once. That's just me. There was a time I remember very clearly in my prayers. I'm like, Lord, I'm just tired of doing this. Just, I was just sick and tired of it. I was like, Lord, there's a, this lady named St. Teresa of Avila. There's a story of her and her, she's, there's some nuns, and they're in, I think they're in France, and they're traveling to go work with orphans. They're going to do God's work, and the storm opens up, and it's raining on them, and they're just like so discouraged, like, we're doing your work, and you're raining on us. Like it's, and, it's, and it's not like you know, paved road, it's dirt and gross and mud, and she's praying like, Lord, what's going on? It's not like that. She's just praying, Lord. She's a French nun. Lord, like she's very, you know, Lord, why this weather? And she feels in her heart, the Lord say to her, um, you are my beloved, it's okay. And then she says, this, she, she, this comes from her journal. She writes, if this is how you treat your friends, it's a wonder you have so few. Whew. It can feel that way sometimes, though. So what do we do when we feel that feeling? The feeling of... Uh... What do we do when those being evil, that life looks greener than the life we're living over here? That can happen. The book ends very uniquely. Chapter 4, Malachi looks... Malachi calls the nation to repentance over and over again. And every time he calls them to repentance, they're just like, who, me? Like they, they push back. He even says once, return to me, and I'll return to you. And they say, how can we return to you? Like they, every time he tries to let, open the door, they just close the door. Like, eh. 4 verse 1. Malachi looks beyond the walled city of Jerusalem, looks beyond to the future. He says this, for behold, the day is coming burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evil duels will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. You shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. What's he talking about? In his last chapter, he says, listen, I'm going to. This is the last book in the Jewish Bible. I remember once I was at the theater and I watched a movie called The Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring. It's a two and a half hour movie in the theater, okay? It was long, dude. No intermission. And the movie ends, so like these, 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 it's, if you've never seen it, it's long and it's boring, but it's awesome. Um, <laughs> if you're a nerd. Uh, but. I love the time of nerd. Um, the first movie ends two and a half hours in. And literally, it feels like the story is just beginning. We must take the ring to Mordor. We're going to make it. We can make it. Credits. 
And a lady in front of me goes, that's the end? Like, she was just like, what happens to the ring? What happens to the people? What if the guy got stabbed? Like, because like, it's like, it's not the ending. It feels very much like unfinished because it, it, it's the first part in a trilogy, right? And she, she didn't know it. She just thought this movie stunk. Like, nothing happened. The Old Testament, it, it ends kind of feeling this way. It ends like the people never turn back to God. God's, he, he's just loving, loving, building, changing. And they're just like, meh. And as the further you go, like this, there's, just, there's, just like, there's just, this, this music rising of something new coming. Someone new coming. Messiah, the branch of David. The root of Jesse. Messiah. The anointed one from Psalm 2. And we're told that Elijah will come before all this takes place. Elijah will come before that great and terrible day of the Lord. And as history goes forth, we learn that the thing that's going to make all this change is Jesus. He's the anointed. He's the Messiah. He is God with us. He's the reason for Christmas. Malachi ends looking forward to God dealing with all this himself. So we live beyond this point in history. So the question I ask is this, what do we do with the feeling, the sick and tired feeling? What do we do when the world's way feels better than the Lord's way? I'm going to be very, very simple. I say it this way. Choose Jesus. Is it harder? Sure it is. Sure it is. In some ways it is harder. I will give a very real example. I've been married for almost 20 years. 20 on like, yeah, I mean, it's just good. It's 19, almost 20. I told my wife we got married, I'll take you on vacation every 10 years. Who loves you? Um, <laughs> kept my word, though. We went once. Uh, but uh, but um, um, in those 20 years, there have been wonderful seasons. There have been times of Just sitting on the back cement or concrete slab of our ghetto apartment in Waterford, holding hands, just watching geese eat. And it was good, it was sweet, it was nice. We used to go to our, our we used to go to art house movie places and watch like black and white silent films. Just all like, we're nerds. And it was great. There have also been seasons. We didn't talk much because I was going through stuff and I'm very slow to speak of my feelings. There have been times of uh, hardship in our home. When things were hard at home, it's hard to find your way back because it's like 
we live together, we see each other all the time. There might be like, sometimes one fight can like carpet bomb many fights, you know what I'm saying? Like this one happens, well, you know, last week and last year and they just fall down. Now, in that moment when things are really hard, it would be, going home and having that hard conversation, that's tough. Flirting with the waitress at the stinking restaurant, that's easier. It costs me less. It takes less effort. There's no emotional drainage. I can tell a dumb joke, never heard it before, you laugh, where she's heard the joke 14 times. This is easier than that sometimes. But here's the reality. This is better than that. This real, deep, true, hard-fought, covenanted commitment is worth more than a stupid giggle at Applebee's. Fair? In one hand, it's easier, but it's not better. Here it says, it says in Malachi, I want to hear this. It says, there's a day coming when it's all going to get burned up. But those who fear my name, those who love me, it says they shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Now I know that we are not farming people. We are flint people. I worked in South Dakota for a season on a cow farm, ranch. And it was really life-changing for me. But here's something that happened. Sometimes you put the cattle into barns and leave them there for a while, maybe a week, maybe a couple of weeks. Who knows why? Maybe weather, maybe for sales, maybe um, predators are really bad that season. You put them in and leave them there for a few weeks, right? Well, then the time came where things were okay. The ground was hard again. Let's open up the gates, let the cows out. Weirdly, this is weird. Some of the young calves, you'd open the door and they'd come out. Now, I always thought cows are pretty dumb. They look dumb. Like they, the way they eat, right? They just seem like these empty-eyed animals. So you open that door, see these cows are just come barreling out of the barn, and they're literally, they're like skipping. They're like the jumping in, like, it's, it's hard, it's, I, I was, I'm, I'm a city kid, I was laughing, because it's so, they look like, it's a cow who's so happy to be in the, under the sun, in the, you know, eating fresh grass and the hay, like, they were pumped, they were so full of life to be out in the open. It says here, that same joy that comes from that calf is the kind of joy that comes from being with Jesus, being with the Lord. I want to say to us, there can be times where the world's lies do feel attractive. The evil prosper. The arrogant are blessed. <sighs> Listen. If you try to do the right thing every day, because you're trying to earn God's favor and respect, it's going to get old real fast. I would encourage you, Take time in your life to draw near to Jesus in a relational, experiential way. My boy, Ricky, I think he ran downstairs to work with the kids. 
He used to tell me when there was a season of life, we would drive to work. He would just talk to Jesus. He was in the seat next to him in his car. He just talked to Jesus about life. And how during that season, they drew close to their hearts where they, they just they came together in strength. That, that intimacy, that conversation, that closeness, that love, I think when you're close to Jesus, you realize this might be harder in some ways, but it's so much better than the, than the other thing. Cheating, lying, being a mean jerk to, make it, to be on TV, that might get you fame for five minutes. But being close to Christ there is a joy that comes from that relationship that is hard to describe. If you've never experienced it, man, are you missing out. Malachi comes to speak to the nation of Israel. And they're sick and tired of him. But they see God merely as a cosmic killjoy you're stopping all our fun. But Christ is not just here to take away the cool things. He's here to give us better things. I've come to give you life and life to the abundance. So I want to say, the feeling, it's okay to have it sometimes. I used to watch Cribs on MTV. Now, I'm an old person. Back when MTV first stopped playing music, I used to watch Cribs. And uh, there'd be these houses, and they were big, and they had cars and, like, pool tables. And they had TVs that came out, like, the wall would go, and be a TV. It was wild what these guys did to their houses. And I'd watch those things, and I'd be, if you watch, like, three hours of that, guess what happens to your heart? You get jealous, right? I wish I had a, four cars. I wish my TV came out of the wall and was huge. Like you, you start, you start feeling. Like, I don't need any of those things. I guess I'll say, following Christ is good. It is true. It is better. When the temptation comes from the outside, I encourage you. That may look greener on the outside. But know there is death over there that you can't even imagine. I had a buddy of mine. Watch, he was watching a lot of stuff on TV. I don't know what he was thinking. He decided, I'm going to like leave my wife and go. I missed out on the dating scene. I missed out on the hookup scene. I'm going to leave my family and go be in that world. I'm going to meet lots of girls and kiss a lot of them. I use kiss, of course, pejoratively. Um, there's children here. And he goes out in that world, and he tastes it, and gets a little taste of it. And inevitably, eight months later, he, he goes back to that wife he left, said, what, I don't know what I did. I'm so sorry, it'll take me back. And she's like, it's all over, it's all gone. You, you burned all this down when you left. And now he's a man who lives with great regret. He believed the world's lie, and it cost him it cost him a lot. The world is lying to us. Jesus is better. With that said, let us pray. 
Father in heaven, I thank you for your word that is true. We know your ways are good, Lord. We know you say that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. We to cast our cares upon you because you care for us. But like Israel, sometimes, Lord, we just don't want to hear it. We're pouty. We're not thankful. We have no gratitude in our hearts. Lord, forgive us for our bratty behavior. Thank you for being patient with us, O oh Lord. For continuing to call our name and give us time to repent and come back to you, O oh Lord. Help us to choose the hard thing, the better thing, so we can have that true joy that comes only from being close to you and living the way you've taught us to live. In Christ's name, we ask all these things.